What's up, everyone? John Conrad here. I wanted to talk about something that's concerning me about the Maritime Academies. I was recently, a few months ago, talking to the president and admiral in charge of one of the United States Maritime Academies. And I really liked some of the ideas, the future planning type things this particular admiral had. But there were a few things that were said that I disagreed with almost completely. One thing in particular that has really stuck in my head these last few months as being completely and utterly wrong in my personal opinion. Now, the problem the academies are facing is, I mean, they've had a traditional for the last decades, they provide a licensed mariners for the U.S. merchant fleet. And just a couple of years ago, I mean, that the people, the cadets who came in now, who are now seniors, when they came in, there was this well, relatively brief period, but it was a period nonetheless of Great job opportunities for graduates. These graduates came in and bam, there were a plethora of jobs available to them in uh, the U.S. merchant fleet and foreign flagships that were operating in U.S. waters. But now the recent grads, the class of 2018 graduates are having great difficulty finding jobs, especially jobs at sea. And this one uh, academy president was telling me they're looking for opportunities to uh, diversify the learning, teach these kids other skills. You know, the um, one one idea that was brought up was construction you know the some of the maritime training may work in the construction field there's a lot of similarity that can be brought into play here and if we teach them construction advances and modern construction techniques there was also bring more computer science and let these kids get into the tech. But here, here's the problem, guys. So this was all brought up as a as possible alternative career paths for recent graduates who can't find jobs in the maritime sector. Well, here's the problem, and here's what we have to uh, look at. These are maritime academies, and I have to agree with the admirals in saying that the U.S., the traditional U.S. flag merchant marine jobs for third mates and third engineers is, we don't know if those jobs are going to exist in four years, and the admiral is 100% correct in his thought of we have to give these kids other opportunities upon graduating. We have to allow them to get into different fields and, and expose them to different areas and such. But where he's wrong, and he's completely wrong in my personal opinion, 
is how we go about in getting from A to B. We have to provide these kids with more job opportunities and be more creative in the chances these kids have for jobs after graduation. But to abandon the maritime field and look towards construction, I know there are a lot of maritime graduates who are successful in the construction field. I know a bunch of them personally. And yes, the skills transition over, but that's not our job. If someone wants to graduate from a maritime academy and go into a completely different field, something completely unrelated to maritime, that is their personal prerogative. But I think it's a mistake for the maritime schools to do this, to start offering these other classes in different fields because they're getting away from their core. And I think it's a mistake personally for the cadets to graduate and go to fields completely unrelated from maritime because they're getting away from their knowledge base. They're getting away from the alumni structure, which is going to help promote their careers and their opportunities. I mean, I did that personally by forming G-Captain. I didn't use any of my maritime skills. I used all my technology skills something I learned completely separate from maritime, how to build a server and install uh, software. And I know now when you start a blog, you just press a button and bam, you got a whole new WordPress install. But when Gcam started, I had to build the server and build the software from scratch and I installed WordPress and things crashed. I had to dive in there and get... So, but... My first website wasn't Gcaptain, it was unofficialnetworks.com, which is a ski website, and I ended up splitting the company and sending that off to my brother, because who do I know in the ski industry? Who do I know? How can my alumni networks help me in that industry? They didn't. Gcaptain has been a lot more successful because it takes this disparaging thing, this technology, and brings it into the maritime field, and I think that's what we need to do for these cadets. And further, I am very, very much, more than nearly everyone I talk to, I'm very optimistic about the future of maritime. I'm not very optimistic about the future of the subsidized U.S. merchant marine, U.S. flag ships. Uh, there are a lot of problems there that hopefully we'll go into in another episode. But I am extremely positive on the opportunities for U.S. Mariners, you uh, cadets, particularly who graduate maritime academies in the maritime field. I mean, look at the problems we have in this world facing forward. Our number one problem globally is population. 6.8 billion people, guys, 6.8 billion people in this world. And most of those people, where do they live? They live along the coast. I was just uh, watching an amazing video on Brazil and the problems that a documentary on the Brazil's having. So Brazil has 207 million people, making it the fifth most populous country 
in the world, but it is the most populous country south of the equator by far. 80% of those people in Brazil live within 200 miles of the coast. Think about that for a moment. 80% of the country, the country being the most populous in this entire southern hemisphere, 80% live within 200 miles of the coast. And Brazil's not alone. Most countries, the significant portion of the population lives near the coast. But Brazil is forced to, because you have uh, mountain ranges very near to the, the coast, um, the largest state in Brazil, Amazonia, has, has very small populations. And the rainforests are difficult to farm, difficult to build on. The farming land in Brazil is in the southern area on the other side of the, the coastal mountain ranges. But these coastal mountain ranges actually flow down. They flow west through the farmland and then down south through Argentina, which these are the navigable rivers to get this agriculture through. And all the packaging and warehousing is done in Argentina Unlike the United States, where goods flow down through the Mississippi, and the United States controls them right to the exportation, do all the, the growing, the initial collecting, the initial transport, all the packaging, all, all of that is done in the United States because we control the whole waterway system. In Brazil, that's not the case. You have 200 million people. Now, this is where the populace is. This is where the workforce is. This is where the people are. Now, they've built up all the land, most of the land, between the water and the coast. Where's the next place to turn to? It's the ocean. Ocean construction, ocean transportation, ocean opportunities is going to... To advance, I mean, we have the other problem, especially in countries like Brazil, where the rich get richer and the middle class is getting squeezed out and they're becoming the lower class. Well, how does lower class people transport cheaply? They don't get on airplanes. They get on ships and boats and travel. So huge opportunities here for transported goods and people and countries like Brazil. It's only going to grow. This population is going to start moving out to sea. Now, are they going to live out to sea? I, I, don't, I don't know. But there is going to be construction, more construction on the coastline. And the way we get that is not teaching land construction to maritime cadets. It's teaching marine construction to marine cadets. Now, it's not just the population train of moving and developing more into the water and the greater importance of moving people at sea and on rivers versus on planes and trains and automobiles. You have a, a huge environmental concerns. That's another trend that's going to have to be solved. And the solution to environmental degradation is the maritime world. We need to do more transport on the water. We need to have more short sea shipping. We need to get cargo off of 
roads off of trains and where it is transported the most effectively. So that's another huge growth opportunity. I'm not just talking in the United States, but globally. Now, uh, look at other emerging trends. What's the biggest emerging trend that we can uh, see? Uh, right now, I mean, the, the hugest growth sector in any economy is the Internet. How does the Internet move? The Internet moves by the oceans. The oceans control the Internet. People think, oh, it's satellites. No, and as we talk more about this cloud computing, cloud computing is... Basically, if you want to know what cloud computing is, I'll tell you in the simplest terms. The old internet was point to point. You check one website and you basically form a connection from your house, say in, uh, you know, the Bronx, New York, and the website is in... Houston, Texas, and the internet connection would get would find the, you know, the routers and all that would basically route you through one connection, just like an old telephone to that server in Houston. Well, cloud means that you're pulling in from multiple internet servers around the world. So when you visit GCaptain, we're pulling resources from whatever servers. Our, our computer algorithms are figuring out what's the fastest connection, not just for the web page, but for each individual picture and video. And we may be pulling from 20 different servers around the world, 20 different connections. And the fastest connections are the ones that went out and those fastest are fiber optic. And it's very expensive to build fiber optic in the, in, in the land, it's cheaper to do it at sea. And we're going to need more fiber optic cable, and not just cable, but hubs and uh, server forms and energy. Google has uh, barges, so when they're Olympics, um, Google or any high-population crowdsource event, so when, uh, like the World Cup, Google will send uh, barges of servers to that area to provide uh, increased capacity. So, I mean, we, we have uh, the internet at our feet. We have marine construction. We have amazing things like uh, commercial fishing. You have John Fredrickson, uh, probably the wealthiest ship owner in the world, uh, was a genius in developing frontline tankers and then uh, was a genius in investing in sea drill. And I know sea drill has problems now, but he, he's, he's, he's built in the uh, risk matrix to handle those. But he had great foresight with that. And now he has a huge fish farming um, company uh, that, that he is investing heavily in. So commercial fishing is going to, going to be huge. These are all maritime job opportunities that are going to be available in four years for the cadets that get me very excited, very intrigued, very. But how do we, how do we know which, which one to choose? Which of these trends is going to provide the 
highest need for jobs in four years or 10 years or even 20 years, which of these careers do I get into? Do I get into wind farms or do I get into commercial fishing or do I get into marine construction? Here's the thing. It's impossible to know, but we don't have to know. We don't have to answer these questions right now. That is not critical. How we're going to prepare for this if we don't know the future. I don't have a crystal ball. The Admiral doesn't have a crystal ball. You don't have a crystal ball. How are we going to prepare these cadets? And I think by picking other courses, yeah, let's give a construction or uh, facilities management specialized to hospitals or, or any of these other ideas this academy was looking at, that's trying to look in the future. But we don't have to because this is what we need to do. What we need to do is focus on the fundamentals of maritime education. That's the core curriculum of a maritime academy. The navigation, things like uh, the steam process and engineering. Uh STCW training and stress inoculation and leadership and basic math, calculus, writing skills. We need to double down on these fundamentals and we need to pivot the entire curriculum around the basics of the, the core fundamentals of the maritime field. And yes, I'm talking about knot tying and Marlin Spike seamanship and also literature. I went to SUNY Maritime. Personally, four years took a lot of English classes, and I don't remember reading one book that was about ships. I mean, I didn't read a book by Joseph Conrad. I read Shakespeare and Hemingway and a lot of other uh, great literature. And, and that has some value, but the patron scene at SUNY Maritime is Felix Reisenberg. Right? A lot of great books. One of them, amazing, is Cape Horn. I'm not even into I'm not a tall ship guy. I'm a steel and computer and technology guy. I'm not a huge tall ship lover. But this Cape Horn by Felix Reisenberg, I mean, grabbed me. I just read it two years ago for the first time, the first book. And it grabbed me because it's not about the tall ships. It's not about the sailing. It's about people, 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 people. Iron men on wooden ships, the fundamentals, the importance of fundamental, the lessons that still haven't changed to this day. That is what is important. And the fact that I didn't read any Felix Reisenberg who went to SUNY Maritime, who's the Sally Port saying every mariner has to memorize. This amazing guy, he was like the Tom Clancy of 100 years ago. I didn't read one book about him until long, long after graduation, and that's a problem. So the Maritime Academies, they can't add these other courses. These cadets are already getting a degree and a license. The credit load is just immense. What they have to do is refocus these schools on the fundamental and pivot everything around the most basic aspects, the leadership, the navigation, basic math, basic writing skills. And 
Oh, you say, John, how does that, how does that get us anywhere? Oh, I'll give you an example I thought about. Um, let, let, let's bring back Radio Direction Finding and Loran. Let's teach that again. Why? Because, first of all, it was hard. Loran was harder than uh, GPS stuff in the RDF. Some of those problems were harder than a lot of the celestial problems. And hard is good. Hard is makes cadets figure out how to focus and, and work through problems and exposes them to some very fundamental foundational stuff they haven't seen before. But, you know, the, the, one of the biggest problems we have in this world right now is uh, in, the, in the maritime world, especially in the Navy circles and navies scared to hell over this, is the vulnerability of GPS systems. We don't have any great options if GPS goes down. We have uh, Galileo, the European system. Maybe they'll help let us, the United States, use that or if we're still allies in a future war or whatever. But they pretty much copied the GPS. It's the same vulnerabilities as the GPS system. So uh, there was this idea of Loran. We can take Loran and upgrade it to a digital system. And now, because the computer power is so good, we can put an Eloran computer chip in your phone and it'll be seamless and visible to the end user, but have a couple major advantages over GPS. One is because it's terrestrial, the signal strength is much longer. You don't have to beam a signal all the way from space stronger. So you can use Loran in places like inside parking garages, inside malls. I mean, imagine that if, if Apple knew your precise location everywhere. There, there are huge opportunities there. Uh, but also because of the signal strength, it's harder to hack. It's harder to override the signal with one of these little devices. And there was a talk with the Coast Guard of, hey, let's upgrade, because at the point of this Eloran, GCAM wrote a bunch of stories. Uh, we had the Loran stations, and they Congress was looking at the Coast Guard, hey, upgrade all this digital, and the Coast Guard didn't have the budget. So what they did is they went around and they shut down very quickly all the Loran stations, pretty much destroyed them, so they wouldn't be forced to run this new system. So we don't have even the infrastructure and the hardware to, to build these Loran systems. And no one understands. I've talked about Loran. I've gone to tech conferences and talked about them. And they, no one in these tech circles had the fundamental knowledge of Loran that I have, having gone to a maritime academy. So let's take a cadet really into computers, computer science, uh, engineering, and has taken some Loran classes. Now, they could go out and they could graduate and they could get some money together and build a test Loran system, not a global one, not even a national one like the Coast Guard, but they could build one in, say, New York City for a few million dollars, which, you know, if it's a great idea and it has great support, that's something a young kid could get together. I mean, Zuckerberg got more. So, and, and build a test system in New York City and then grow the company organically. Now we have a commercial positioning system company that 
is superior to GPS, that could be a billion dollar company very quickly. But you don't get from here to there by diluting, watering down the core curriculum with all these crazy electives. You get that by going back to the fundamentals. And here's the next thing. This is how you do it. You have to build flexibility into the psychology of the cadets. You have to expose them, not teach them, not give them a class in technology or facilities management or construction. But hey, construction, there may be tieovers. So bring construction engineers, bring construction architects, bring crane drivers into the school and have them lecture the kids, expose them, give them that little bit of exposure to these other sectors, bring in tech, bring in a talk, someone from Google and Facebook and a server developer and a fiber optic guy in and let these people expose them and some basic mentorship from the cadets. So that's what I think needs to happen with the schools. I think the schools have to go back to fundamentals. They have to look at eliminating these other curricular activities and pivot every class should have to do with maritime. They're maritime schools, the fundamental of maritimes, and at the same time teach the psychology of flexibility. Being How can your mindset, creativity, and flexibility when they go out, are they going to be flexible enough to pull technology, something they're interested in, or construction, or facilities management or something and change it and find the opportunity in the maritime world. How do we, how do we build this on ships? Say it's hospitals. How do we bring the hospital management onto ships onto the shoreline? How do we use the waterways to move patients or medical supplies or whatever? You, you see what I'm saying? But it takes a flexibility, a creativity, a mindset, uh, and some emotional intelligence that's one. Two, it takes a network of people. That's why bringing in these speakers, whether they're authors or CEOs of disparate companies, it takes a network and some mentorship to build these networks and teach these networks about maritime. And lastly, um, these kids have to be exposed to these other industries and other opportunities and other technologies, but they don't need to take a whole course in, um, you know, social networking. They need to take a whole course in basic positioning systems that include RDF, Loran, GPS. You, you see what I mean? I, I, and because we don't know what the jobs are going to look like in six years. We don't know if they're going to be jobs in the United States or that these cadets are going to have to work in Brazil or work overseas. But I know something. If you learn the fundamentals, if we get the fundamentals right and building creativity and flexibility into these cadets, the, the, the opportunities are just enormous. And they're going to go out and they're really going to kick butt over the next decades. So... I'm sorry, Emeril, I disagree totally. Let's not water down the curriculum by teaching these other things. 
let's double down on the maritime fundamentalists, teach Reisenberg and the tall ships and the modern spec seamanships and the RDF and the Lorraine and all that other stuff, yet expose them to the brighter world and let them graduate and pioneer these new fields. That's what I think needs to happen. All right. I've been talking for too long. I hope you enjoyed this podcast and listen to the next one. Take care.